Hey folks, this is Garrett Dawn with Command Z, and uh, we're here today with a special guest, the author Robert Scheinfeld. Uh, he wrote the books Busting Loose from the Business Game and Busting Loose from the Money Game, and most recently, the book The Ultimate Key to Happiness, uh, which I've enjoyed very much recently, and I know a few of you listening are also diving into that book. So today, we're going to go a little bit deeper with Robert on some of what's covered in that book and some of his own experiences of what he calls true happiness with a capital T and a capital H. Hi, Robert. Uh, welcome to the, to the discussion here. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to share this, these teachings. Yeah, and thank you very much for sharing the teachings. Uh, definitely I've gotten a lot out of them and helped to conceptualize my own journey, as I know a lot of you listening on the list uh, have also. So something I noticed, I, I was listening to the, uh, to the videos that you posted about the happiness book on the uh, happinessbook.com website. So on the intro video, you mentioned that you weren't truly happy with your life for 54 years. And so I was curious about that statement and what goes behind that, because of course, knowing about the phase one, phase two, phase three teachings, uh, in the busting loose books. And then most recently in the happiness book, um, what was your experience like of transitioning from what's been called phase two into now what you call true happiness? Well, you know, in my experience with talking with a lot of people all over the world that are into what you might call personal development or spiritual development, we all seem to have themes, if you will. You know, there are things that, there are things that seem to be our biggest struggles or the things that tend to recur or replicate, you know, in our lives the most, the things that we get so frustrated with and really want to change and, and actively seek a way to change. And for me, uh, being an unhappy camper, if you will, all the time was really one of my biggies, you know. I mean, uh, there were things about prosperity and abundance that that uh, were challenging for me because I, I just was always creating up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. It's not that I couldn't create prosperity, but I couldn't hold on to it. And, and even when I was in a prosperous phase, I was always angry. I was always frustrated. Uh, I was always feeling somewhat like a victim, you know, like the universe was against me and some, you know, force, whether you want to call it God or consciousness or whatever, the people listening might want to call it. But I always had this feeling that there was this being, if you will, you know, that was watching everything that was happening in my life and was gleefully throwing wrenches into stuff whenever he could. I'm just using the word he. No disrespect meant to the ladies listening. Um, just for the twisted pleasure of seeing me squirm, you know. I mean, it just... And I just... I was, I was very rarely peaceful, very rarely happy as I would have defined it at the time. As you know, I define it differently. And it was one of my biggest struggles because even if I was in a prosperous phase, even if a lot of things were quote-unquote going well in my life, the backdrop was miserable, you know, bordering on tortured. You know, if a lot of people were to say, hey, Robert, give me one word to describe what you thought so much of your phase one life was like, I really would have used the word tortured because I just felt that way. 
And um, and I yeah, I tried everything you can possibly imagine, you know, at least there's probably some listeners that have tried something I've never heard of. But I mean, I I tried mainstream stuff. I tried esoteric stuff. I tried woo woo stuff. I tried metaphysical stuff. I tried every kind of healing modality you can imagine. And nothing really made a dent in that constant feeling of being tortured as the backdrop. And and even if something really good happened in my life, I wasn't able to enjoy it, or maybe I'd enjoy it for a couple seconds, you know, and then the torture, the anger, the frustration, the whatever would come back in, and it was just such a loud appearance. And um, everything that I share, everything that I teach, it has never been from a theoretical basis. It's always been because there's something I really needed to know there's something I really needed to see. There's something I really needed to understand. There's something I really wanted to change, fix, or improve in my life. And what I ended up teaching and sharing is something that I discovered on my own journey. My, my teaching style has always been been there, done that, experienced it to a very deep degree personally, and then popped up and did a debrief. And this was a very profound example of that because after searching literally for decades to really understand what happiness is and then how to really be able to experience it and get off that tortured, angry, frustrated cycle, you know, was gigantic for me. Um, and so I, I feel it's one of the most important and profound things that I've ever shared and perhaps ever will share because as well, I'm sure we'll talk about, and as I devote several sections of chapters in the book to, deep down, whether we're aware of it consciously or not, the desire to be happy is really what motivates literally everything that we seek in our lives every day, even if it seems like it's about money or relationships or prosperity or sex or career or health and wellness or whatever, deep down underneath, it's always because we think that whatever that thing is we want, uh, it'll, get, it'll make us happy. It's huge when you can finally just get clear on what happiness is and be able to experience it because the ripples through the rest of your life are just off the charts. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I really did enjoy that part in the book where you asked, uh, you asked the reader to write down, okay, what are, the, what are some goals that you have? What are some things that you want? Uh, write those out and then to really analyze those and follow them back to what what is really underneath them and yeah i found uh through about five different um wants and and goals that came up for me and i guess even the needs even the even the perceived needs the the underlying reason i came up to behind all of them actually going through that analysis was again to feel good to feel happy to feel satisfied uh it's hidden, you know, because, you know, I've been through this a lot, even years ago. Um, I got my start, you may or may not know this, but I got my official start as a personal development teacher, a trainer, working with Tony Robbins about, um, I don't know, 27, 28 years ago or something. And I first started to notice this back then, and then I've noticed it to a deeper and deeper and more profound level. But most people, you go up to them and you say, hey, if I was a magic genie, and I could grant you three wishes, whatever, five wishes, whatever, you know, what would it be? Most people start out with, you know, would ask for, you know, stuff, things, and particular achievements, you know. I'd like to get this promotion. I'd like to be a rock star. I'd like to, you know, whatever. I'd like to double my income. I'd like to be a millionaire. I'd like to get rid of this health thing. 
Those are the kinds of things we get so hypnotized by and mesmerized by is whatever you want to call those kinds of goals. I call them change, fix, and improve goals. Yeah. But deep down, what we don't realize, and if we're really pushed on it, we'll see it. It's not hard to see, but then we go back to being hypnotized. Well, no, what I really want is to double my income. What I really want is to change, fix, or improve this particular aspect of my life. And we forget, by design, we forget, but we forget that it's really about happiness. And that's one of the things, as I mentioned, that's so extraordinary. Because if you can all of a sudden become happy all the time, no matter what's going on, it, re- it, it creates radical changes to the list of things that you want to change, fix, and improve in your life and the stuff that you focus on every day and how you perceive everything that happens. It, again, it's a tidal wave in terms of how it ripples through and changes every other aspect of your life. And, and that, again, has been one of the most amazing things for me is to watch and narrate because since I play the role of teacher and coach, if you will, I'm always narrating and, 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 and taking very detailed notes on, you know, what happened to me when I was going through this kind of a transition, when I was first beginning to see this, and when I was living and breathing this 24-7, you know, what is it that I was seeing? What was actually happening? When something that happened that would once have made me really angry or frustrated or insecure or whatever, and what's happening now? And, and, and what are the things that I had on my list of if I had a magic genie, you know, if, or if I could produce these results with some magical technique. I, when I saw what happened to my own list in my life, um, it's it just absolutely off the charts extraordinary. Because, we, again, we just all get so hypnotized with the goals, and it gets amplified by the self-help world, which encourages you to set goals and intentions and, you know, literally for every second or every moment or everything you do, you know, start out with an intention. What is it that you want to create, you know, in this moment, in this meeting, in this relationship, in this whatever? Um, it, it, there's so much focus in the literature about decide what you want first and then figure out the way to get it. And, and generally, even though we all really want to be happy, the list is filled with other stuff. Yeah, that's... that's uh... A fascinating aspect of all the personal development, self-development, self-improvement, productivity training, all those those kinds of things. And um, that's something uh, I have in common with you and a lot of the people that will be listening also have in common. I've ended up working with, um, working with Command Z and coming into your books having tried an endless amount of systems and yoga and, and development and, and goal setting and all these. And, and all these goals... Although all those systems seem to, yeah, they get they get uh, more and more complex, and they seem to initiate some kind of inner war with with yourself, you know, about oh now I have to what is my intention here, and then worrying about what the uh, if your intention is correct or if you forgot about it, and then what the goals are, and is everything aligned with the goals, and and then it introduces another layer of complexity, and then feeling bad when it's not happening, and uh, it just goes on and on, and then. Um, I find what what I read in the happiness book to be, again, a real simplification. Not that it's always easy to to find my way to that or to always allow the, as you mentioned, the labels and the stories and the lies to separate from the pure, raw experience of what's going on. But it's a lot simpler than having to 
keep in mind all these systems and all these all these processes that never seem to quite add up to much more than just an, another layer of complexity, another layer of, of hypnotism or mesmerism, yep. as you call it. So, so go ahead. Also, they're also seductive. Because yeah. I look back now, you know, being 55 at the time of this recording here, I can look back on literally being involved in this kind of stuff since I was 16, you know. So what is that, 39 years? And for 39 years, it's amazing to me that I, can, that I could be continu- continually, that I was continually hoodwinked by, you know, the next latest and greatest technique, you know. The, the oh, well, everything else failed, but, but now I really believe this one's going to work because a da-da-da-da story, explanation, whatever else it is, and continuing to run that kind of a story... <laughs> For almost 40 years, it just it blows my mind. But that's how seductive what I call the lies, illusions, and stories or the cloud cover is. Because ultimately, they all lead to a dead end. Um, and you have to take a radically different approach than what's hammered on and shared in the mainstream if you want to, what I call, experience the truth with capital T's. And in that, in the truth with capital T's is what everybody really wants, you know, and Happiness is one of those big things, as I said, but everything else that people really want deep down comes from what I call the truth path, not the change, fix, and improve path. And the ironic thing is when you get on the truth path, all the change, fix, and improve desires that you might have, they'll ultimately take care of themselves in a radically different way and without all the complexity that you mentioned and without all the stress and without all the effort and confusion and everything else, but it's the only path that can really get you where you want to go. The change, fix, and improve path just is always going to net uh, a dead end. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let's let's hear how you define uh, true happiness. Well, the way that I define true happiness... <clears throat> Or this a little bit, and I lay a, a, a very strong foundation for this in the book, but what most people are trained to believe, and it seems really duh obvious, except it's not, and it's not true, but the way that we're all conditioned is we have these emotions that we feel, and there are positive ones that are good, and, and they feel good, And we want to have more of them and maybe even have some of them, let's just call it, be experienced a little bit more intensely. And then there's these negative ones, and the negative ones are bad, and they're uncomfortable, and we don't like them, and we would do almost anything to get rid of them. And so, like you mentioned before, what gets created is a war against the negative emotions. And so we seek seek ways, whether it's techniques or it's strategies or it's healing or it's drugs or it's drinking or whatever it is, to try to somehow vanquish, you know, destroy, uh, dissolve, whatever word you want to call it, release, there's all kinds of words, the negatives. And then the theory is, if we can somehow vanquish the negatives in this war, we'll be left with the positives. And then we think, well, if I'm only experiencing the positives, then I'll be happy. And the reality is nobody really even thinks that through. That's one of the things that that I discovered that, again, is one of these extraordinary things that we just don't see, that I didn't see and most people don't see, is we don't even really think any of this through. If you were to go to the average person on the street and say, what's happiness, they really couldn't give you a good answer. It's this kind of warm and fuzzy, nebulous, feel-good kind of a thing. But there's there's no sharpness 
to the definition. But so that's the gigantic lie, illusion, and story. There really are positive emotions. There really are negative emotions. The negatives are bad. And if I can get rid of all the negatives or I can have them appear less or have them be less intense or whatever, you know, then I'll be happier, I'll be happier. And that's the uh, status quo. What I discovered and what I call true happiness is when you realize that there's no such... And again, this is not an intellectual thing. This is not a thinking thing that I'm talking about. This is not... You talk yourself into stuff with self-talk or hypnotism or whatever else. This is how you actually experience things. I call it experience with a capital E. So it's going to start out, everybody listening, as if it's just an idea and a concept and you have to somehow talk yourself into it or something. And that isn't what it is. It's an experience that you open into. And that experience is you realize there isn't any such thing as positive emotions. There isn't any such thing as negative emotions. There's just emotions. There's just what I call a movement of energy, if you will, inside of you. And there's a lot of variety. That energy moves in a lot of different ways that are very unique, and they have their own characteristics. But true happiness is being able to experience that infinite variety of movement of emotional energy inside of you with no names, no labels, and no judgments, having it all appear pleasurable, positive, comfortable, whatever word you want to use, um, and not have labels anymore. I mean, the, the really kind of shocking thing is there's no need to experience emotions and have words like, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm happy, I'm peaceful, I'm serene. You can just be feeling what you're feeling. And there's no name for it. There's no label for it appearing in your mind. And there's no judgment appearing in your mind that says, this is a feel-good one and this is a feel-bad one and, and give me more of this one and get this one the hell out of here. Because all of that can disappear. That's all what I call lie, illusion, story, hypnosis, mesmerization. You mentioned words like that before. The fact that there are positive and negative emotions is just a very seductive hypnotic story. Um, that there's feel-good, feel-bad ones is just a very seductive story. It isn't true, and it is possible to live, assuming you were awake 24-7, you can live 24-7 and actually experience every single emotion that appears. Again, if you want to use a label, as positive, pleasurable, welcome, appreciated. And that's what true happiness is. It isn't making some of those emotional movements of energy disappear, uh, it isn't healing yourself from something. It isn't changing your beliefs. It isn't, you know, whatever. It's simply recognizing the truth, which is there is this almost constant flow of energy inside of you that we call emotion, and that it is possible to experience all of that all the time, again, as pleasurable. And that, to me, is true happiness. It's not the absence of the negatives and the presence of the positives or perhaps enhanced positives. It's being able to embrace all of it. And we can talk about this in a minute, but I just, I'll just i also give you an opportunity to, to say something here. This is something that everybody who is listening has already experienced many times without knowing it. It's not like it's something that's really far off and you have to spend years or decades or lifetimes being able to actually undo this story about positive and negative. This is something everybody listening has already experienced probably a lot and just didn't realize. Yeah, I, I think that's something that uh, that uh, my friend uh, and I, who have gotten deep with some of the books, were talking about the other day. Is that we've 
seen our way into it or, or recognized multiple times where we've, where we've witnessed that experience of true happiness beyond all the labels or underneath all the labels, however you want to put it. Um, one of the things he brought up when we were discussing that was the transition from knowing about it, experiencing it, recognizing it for what it is, uh, true happiness that is, and then being able to open into it or how, how do you get there, that kind of, and that, that sort of uh, underlies a couple other questions that some people wrote in as well, which were, um, uh, Lance wrote in and asked about relaxing into the role and the paradox of the act of relaxing into the role. Is that just a part of his, his true role to begin with this coming into the experience of true happiness permanently? Um, or do things actually change in our storyline after we start to experience true happiness? Or is that still a part of the, of the storyline? Those types of questions, uh, if that makes any sense. So do, do we, is the experience of true happiness, the permanent experience of true happiness that you mentioned in the book and um, have expressed that that's what you're experiencing, is that just a part of the storyline or are there things we can actually do that then open us into that? The answer to that question, I have to tell you, is extremely complex, and it goes way beyond the time and the ability that we have in this interview. So I will soundbite and share a few things, but the odds are that people listening will feel um, unsatisfied. <laughs> okay. Especially the way my mind works. You know, I have a mind that tends to focus in on a lot of detail and feels that I think rightfully so, but maybe not, that all of the detail is really needed. And so... When I talk about something like this, I'm aware of all the things I'm leaving out that I feel that I need to say. So let me give a general answer. Um, the general answer is, if you were to go into a bookstore tomorrow, and you were to go into the fiction section, and you were to pick out, let's just say, I'm making up a number, it could be any number, I'm just going to make up a number of 100, and you were to then open up those novels and say, there's a, there's a character that's the lead character in this story. You know, there's the hero of this story. There's the, you know, the main character of this story. Um, what's that character's story all about, you know? What are we really looking at when we're getting a slice of this character's life in this, in this book? Same thing would be true of movies, but let's just look at novels. You'd see that there's all these different characters in all these different stories, and they're all exploring different things. You know, you look at something like Harry Potter, and they're exploring magic, and they're exploring evil and good, you know. You look at certain other things, and what's happening in a novel, in a, in a work of fiction, in a story, is somebody struggling with a health issue. You open up another book, it's somebody who's struggling with a relationship issue. You open up another book, and it's somebody who's playing in the high finance world, you know, with billion-dollar stakes, and you open up another book, and there's a character who's focusing on whatever. To me, we're all here playing what I call the human game, and we're playing with exploring and expressing ourselves creatively through different stories and different contexts. And just like all the different novels you'd see in a bookstore or on Amazon or whatever are about Characters exploring different things and playing with different things and expressing themselves in different ways, that's the same thing that's true with all of us. 
some people's stories involve going very deeply into a direct experience of truth with a capital T, which includes true happiness. My whole life since age 12, you know, so the last 43 years, that's what my whole life has been about, is discovering what the truth with capital T's is and then experiencing more and more and more of it, and I'm not at the end of that journey. That's still what my life is about and probably will, will be until the day I die. Other people's lives are about, you know, touching that in a very superficial way, but really being focused on other things. Other people's lives are about that, too, to a great degree, to one degree or another. So everybody's story, and I talk about this in the Ultimate Key to Happiness book, everybody's story is not about experiencing true happiness at all or all the time, even though it's what I'm experiencing, what I'd love everyone to experience, and what the book can open a gateway into actually experiencing. If it's not part of your story, it doesn't matter how many books you read, and it doesn't matter how many courses you go to, and it doesn't matter how many therapies or whatever you try. You're just not going to experience that if it's not what your story's about. By the way, this isn't just about true happiness. This is about whatever. For people listening, if your life isn't about exploring being a millionaire, you know, you're not going to be a millionaire. If your story is not about, I'm making up random things here, you know, meeting somebody and, and being in a, in a marriage or a significant relationship for 20, 30, 50 years or whatever, then that's not going to happen. And it doesn't matter how many books you read and seminars you go to and counseling sessions you go to as couples. It's not going to happen. You know, there's a there's a story that we're all uh, in the middle of, that we're the stars of, that's unfolding, and it has a script, and it has details, and it's about certain things. And a lot of people don't like to hear this, but this is the truth that I've seen. So getting back to happiness, if it's part of your story for it to happen, then it's going to happen. And it's just going to happen. And it could happen from reading a book like the book that I wrote, or there's also a course version of it. It could happen from something that has absolutely nothing to do with me. It could, it could happen from something I've never heard of. But if it's part of your story, it's just going to happen. And there's going to be a series of steps. You know, there's going to be a series of whatever's that unfold in terms of how you get from point A, which is not being truly happy, into being to point B where you're truly happy all the time. What I've discovered is that, see, when I first discovered a lot of these things that I later wrote about and taught, I really didn't know, is this just, you know, Weird Robert's solution to a problem or the path that Weird Robert traveled in order to da-da-da-da, you know, whatever result you want. I really didn't know if the things that I was seeing, the things that I had experienced were replicatable. You know, if I shared them, could other people... Uh, experienced something very similar or the same thing that I was, I really didn't know. And so when I first started teaching, it was quite a surprise to me in a certain way to see that so much of it was, in fact, replicatable. Clearly, again, for the people that it was part of their story, and that's why they found their way to me. But um, So that's the general, you know, kind of broad strokes answer to the question. Assuming that it is part of someone's story, it can actually happen just from reading the book. Again, there's also a course version of it. Some people prefer reading. Some people prefer video and multimedia. But it can happen simply from going through either the book or the course because it can, it can create cracks in the density of the lies, illusions, and stories that are stopping it from happening. 
or it can start the process and then some other unique something will open somebody else. The key is what your unique story all about. And if it's all about including experiences of truth, of which true happiness is one, then it's going to happen. It's just a question of when and how and who's going to appear to help you and, and all that kind of stuff. And if it's not, then it's not, and that's no big deal. But again, I could probably do a four-day workshop on the answer to the question. That you know, <laughs> right. That's the general thing. And it, it's, it bothers a lot of people, but to me it's also quite freeing to just see the truth of it, which is most of the self-help stuff and spiritual development, personal development stuff, you know, they basically say, you can create anything you want, you know. You can change your life anyway. You can make any bad go away. You can make any good come. You just have to use these techniques. And what I discovered a long time ago is that just isn't true. We all have a unique mission and purpose and life story that's unfolding, and we are limited by the contents of that story. And again, a lot of people can make up stories that that's bad news. To me, it's not bad news at all. It, it couldn't be more opposite, but that's a significant part of the answer. And then the other part of it is uh, very often these things can happen without there being an enormous amount of effort, without using 20 zillion techniques, you know, two hours a day for however long until you finally achieve the goal of true happiness. It can appear much easier, much more effortlessly, it's something that can just kind of happen as opposed to efforting your way there. Right. And now I call, I call those, two, those two things, you know, magical appearances or effort appearances. And I'm much more into magical appearances because I spent so much of my life with the, on the effort path. And, and as I mentioned, hitting dead end after dead end, that anytime I can experience something, and it's perceived as effortless and magical, you know, that's really a treasure to me. And the opening into true happiness, and a door opens to it in the book and in the course, can in fact be quite an effortless, extraordinary, exciting adventure versus push, 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 effort, 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 exhausted, 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 frustrated, you know, why isn't this changing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's. Uh, that's what I was thinking as you were um, answering the questions was the that it, regardless of whether true happiness or an experience of truth is uh, or is not part of the storyline, the, the understanding that the storyline is going to play out however it's meant to play out takes an enormous amount of pressure off, off the individual who can at least come to understand that. Um, and I understand that there's no hierarchy here. You know, again, if you go into a bookstore and you pick out a novel that's about um, a character that became enlightened, you pick out a novel about a character that made a billion dollars in the stock market, you pick, out, um, you pick out a book about a character who was dying of cancer and tried everything and then, you know, flew to South America and tried some unusual technique with a, with a spiritual healer and the cancer was healed and it changed their whole life. You pick out a novel about somebody that had a near-death experience, you pick out a novel about somebody who uh, went through all this horrible stuff because their partner cheated on them, and, you know, on and on and on and on and on. No one of those stories is better than the other. They're just stories. They're just explorations of what's possible in this human experience, and it's not better 
The story about enlightenment isn't better. The story about the cancer patient that was healed with an unusual therapy isn't better than somebody that made a billion dollars. All stories are equally extraordinary. Now, we may all have our preferences, you know, both to read and watch movies and TV shows and also to have something happen in our life, but the reality is they're all equally amazing, um, and, and they're all equal. There is no hierarchy of what a character's life may be about being better than someone else's. Now, again, there's lots of stories to the contrary of that, but to me, that's the truth. To me, this whole human experience is a story factory. And everything that can possibly happen in this human experience is being explored down to the smallest detail. And there's a fascination by consciousness with a capital C, who we really are in every single possible what would happen if scenario in this human experience with no judgment at all, including rape, murder, murder, beggar, um, criminal, you know, Hitler or whatever else. I mean, it's all just possibilities of how consciousness can play, explore, and express itself creatively. Ultimately, I know a lot of people disagree with that. And so, again, coming back, true happiness is one ride in the amusement park that can be ridden. It's one experience that can be had. It's extraordinary. It doesn't make me better than anyone else. It doesn't make me more advanced spiritually than anybody else. It's just it happens to be part of my story happens to be part of yours um, and a lot of other people that you're interacting with and that are listening to this. But it's just one ride in the amusement park, you know? It's not the goal of the whole game. Everybody doesn't have to go there someday, you know? It's just one possibility of something that can be explored. Yeah, there's a... Uh, very true. There's two assumptions I noticed that, uh, that uh, come to mind and that seem to underlie all the other systems we mentioned and then that that seem to be shaken or fall apart when you when you become aware of the storyline or when you read or or start to accept some of the some of the uh start to experience some of the premises presented in in the happiness book and the two assumptions that that seem to alleviate a lot of the pressure and the and the tension and the upset uh if you can get them and and stop believing in them, so to speak, that our first one is I'm in charge. Everything's my fault. Uh, you know, every, I, everything I do affects everything else and I have to make the right choices kind of thing. Uh, then the other assumption is there's something wrong. There's something wrong with me or something wrong with what is, uh, going on. And then that leads back to the first assumption again. So I better do something to fix that or to change that because of course I'm in charge. And so that seems like a loop people get into uh, and then regardless of what happens they feel like they're they're taking credit for the good things that happen and blaming themselves and other people for the so-called bad things that happen um, and then when we look at the storyline or the experience of, of true happiness those two assumptions just go away there, there's it's, it's the the character doesn't feel so much in charge anymore as opposed to just observing what's going on and then there's no way to really say anything's wrong there's no foundation on which to make that assumption um. Well, but the trick with that, what you mentioned before, is that there's so much stuff out there in the literature that says stuff like what you just said. You know, everything's magnificent just the way it is. Everything's perfect the way it is. Everything happens for a reason and a purpose, and it serves you, you know, and there's all these kinds of things. And we can look at them, and we can say intellectually, I get that. I can see that that would be true. 
Yeah. That makes sense to me. But then the net of it is I don't experience it in my day-to-day life. Yeah. And this is the thing that used to really drive me crazy is that there was, and I talk about this in the book, there's so many things that I was told like that. And I said, okay, I get it. I hear you. If I could just da-da-da-da, I get that I would be happier, you know? Mm-hmm. I could just whatever, but I couldn't do it. And the big key is how do you shift an orientation that I call, and you mentioned this before, idea and concept and understanding and thinking and logic. How do you translate that into an actual experience? And this is the really elusive thing. And this is the thing that my journey has taken me into a direct experience of, is actually experiencing these kinds of dynamics. Instead of just being able to spout some, uh, you know, enlightened sentence or paragraph about them, which is true, but which is still just an idea and a concept, and that's the tricky thing. And that's what I've been in search of as a teacher and a coach. How can I do something in a book? How can I do something in a course? How can I do something in a live event? How can I do something in a whatever experience? That there's never a guarantee, and anybody that tells you there is, is lying to you or is misled themselves, you know? There's never a guarantee, but how can I at least increase the odds that if somebody comes into da-da-da-da that I created, that, that I can increase the odds that this idea, I can first give them the ideas and concepts if they weren't aware of them before, and then support them in making that gigantic leap as it appears from idea and concept into experience. And when you can actually experience the stuff that you just talked about, it, it's just off the charts, literally mind-blowing. You know, and I, I, I'm very fond of using an example of the Harry Potter books, because if you're going to use a book that the odds are just about anybody that you talk to has either read one or more of the books or they've watched the movies or they at least know what it's about, or if they don't, they've read some other novel and they know what you're talking about. It's very actually interesting as an example, because if you read a Harry Potter book, Harry Potter appears to be a separate individual. He appears to think and to feel and to make decisions and to have power in an everyday sense and also to have power in a magical sense, you know, with his wand and his spells and stuff. Um, He appears to have free will. He appears to be driving the bus. He appears to be in charge. He has all kinds of judgments, you know, about Voldemort and the bad guys and all this other kind of stuff. The reality is there isn't any Harry Potter. He's a fictional fictional character. And any any Harry Harry says, anything that Harry does, anything that Harry Harry says, anything that Harry feels, any decision that Harry makes, and he waves his wand and wands and spell, and something happens, it's all because J.K. Rowling, the writer, wrote that first. And J.K. Rowling, to me, is the equivalent of consciousness with a capital C, who we really are, you know, the author of our stories. And J.K. Rowling as a writer, she doesn't look at Voldemort and think he's evil. She doesn't look at Voldemort and think he's a terrible character. If he waves his wand and says that curse that kills people and somebody dies, she's not upset. She doesn't think that he's evil because he just murdered somebody. She thinks Voldemort's a delicious character in an extraordinary story. And that's just what happened in the story. She doesn't have any judgment of him. Truth be told, as readers, we don't really have the same kind of judgment of him reading the books that we would if it happened in life, you know? 
But the creator of the story, the writer of the story, loves all the characters and thinks absolutely everything that's happening is amazing, no matter what it is. And the truth is, that's the truth of everything. And we all have the ability, that it's not a place, but I'm just going to say to enter a place where we experience it the same way. And what the ultimate key to happiness is about is how to, quote-unquote, enter a place where you can experience that dynamic as it relates to emotions in general and happiness in specific. And then it's possible to go beyond that to experience all of life like that, to experience it how, um, again, whatever the person listening would call the creator, I now call it true creative essence. That's my term. I don't like using terms that... that <coughs> like God or whatever. I like having new terms that don't have all kinds of uh, stuff associated with them. But um, it is possible, and it's something that I'm experiencing to a great degree and more and more and more every day, of experiencing it the same kind of a way that J.K. Rowling experiences everything uh, as the writer of the Harry Potter stories, that we, in a very similar way, experience everything in stories that we read, stories that we watch in movies, Uh, stories that we watch on TV shows, Uh, and we can experience all of our lives that way, with happiness, which is our topic today, but also with everything else, including the really bad stuff, you know, the really evil stuff, so-called, like murder and rape and war and everything else. It can be perceived as just extraordinary happenings in an extraordinary story. And again, not you're talking yourself into it, not as a theory or an idea or a concept, but as the actual experience of the truth that that is. So, yeah, I know people will uh, people will love to react to that, but I, I get what you're saying, and uh, I think it's a it's a beautiful thing to be able to open up into that and to to witness the just the magnificence of of even being alive at all, to even have perception at all, to even perceive anything, and then from there. Um, notice the richness of it and so on. Uh, another question that comes to mind is once, once you discovered and began experiencing the, the true happiness of the capital T capital H, how, how did that affect your, your reactions in, in the storyline or, you know, how did it, how did that affect if it did affect your reactions and your experiences with other people, for example, uh, you know, something maybe would have formerly, made you upset, stopped, did it stop, you know, stop making you upset. And then from there, I can see there might be a cascade of seeming changes with, with your experiences with other people in your life. You know, and it, it also goes back to something that you asked um, as part of the question from your friend before that I realized I didn't really get to. When you open up into a consistent experience of true happiness, there are two possibilities of what can happen. And, and they can happen consistently or they can happen in waves. The first is something that used to appear. Um, I call, as you know from the book, if you close your eyes and you just try to become aware of um, the space inside of you where emotions appear, where thoughts appear, where you feel sensations related to the body, I call that inner space. That's where emotions appear. I call it inner space. So let's say that you used to experience what you called anger, like I said I did, you know, or frustration or anxiety or whatever. All these emotions 
have certain characteristics, you know, and we could talk about this. Like if, if somebody was really angry and I said, okay, close your eyes, describe anger to me. And they could say, you know, it seems like um, a lightning bolt, you know, a really gigantic lightning bolt inside of me. And it feels like really sharp and it's very intense and it's very whatever. They could describe it. All emotions have unique characteristics. And some of them appear really big and really loud. And some of them appear really quiet and really smooth. And some are sharp and jagged, you know. And so if we could somehow have recorded that, you know, what was your emotional life before you experienced true happiness? And we could, like, you know, show it on an oscilloscope or something, you know, with flat lines and sharp ups and downs and stuff. And then we could say, all right, now let's record what's happening after you're experiencing true happiness, and let's see if, if those ups and downs and the oscilloscope kinds of things, you know, are the same or whatever. The same stuff can appear exactly the way that it did. That's option one. Except you don't perceive any of it as bad or uncomfortable or make this go away or I hate it. It's just all perceived like you would have once perceived, quote-unquote, positive emotions. So there's no change to the content. There's just change in how you perceive it. The second possibility is the content can change. You can go into either a consistent or a lot more of the time or whatever where emotions just seem to move more quietly. They don't get as loud. They don't get as sharp. They don't get as jagged. They don't get as whatever. Not that you're not judging it anymore. It's not unpleasant, again, or bad or uncomfortable, but it's just the content can change. At that point, it doesn't matter because you're enjoying all of it anyway. So for me, and, and a lot of people will say, you're smoking dope, Robert. I just, I don't believe that that's possible, you know, but I'm telling you what's actually happening for me. When I experience emotions today, the word anger, the word frustration, the word happiness, the word peace, none of that shows up. I really just am aware of this almost constant movement of energy inside me, you know, and sometimes it's quiet, sometimes it's louder, and sometimes it's smooth, and sometimes it's not smooth, and sometimes it's big, and sometimes it's small, but I really, what I no longer have appearing in inner space names or judgments, feels good, feels bad. There's just, it's almost like if you were to look at the ocean, if you were on a vacation at a beach and you were to look out your window and look at the waves and you'd say sometimes the waves are big and sometimes the waves are small and sometimes the, the water looks you know smooth as glass and you don't judge any of that. You're just aware of the fact the waves are big, the waves are small, the water seems smooth as glass and you're just aware that the water is moving, you know? Or if a boat cuts through it or something and creates some waves, you know, now it's moving differently because the boat cut through. So that's how I actually experience it. And, and if that was all, that would just be huge because, again, my story in phase one was I'm feeling bad all the time. And no matter what I do, I can't seem to feel better except for a couple of short moments. So to just have that whole feel bad thing go away... And when I talk about the stages of what I call the movement of the truth virus in the book that you move through from point A, which is not experiencing true happiness, to point B, which is experiencing true happiness, there are these very fascinating stages that we go through. Um, and as I was moving through those, and it was kind of like, well, I used to call this anger but and, and bad, but now I realize it's not. Wow, look at that. How could I have thought that was so unpleasant and uncomfortable when it really wasn't at all? Wow, that's amazing. 
And then it was just, you know, when you, it's impossible to understand intellectually, you know, what life would be like if nobody ever makes you angry anymore. Nobody ever hurts your feelings anymore. There's no such thing as depression. There's no such thing as anxiety. There's no such thing as fear. Now, if somebody were to, before coming into true happiness, let's say, this is not a great example, but it's the one that's coming to mind. You know, if you were in a jungle and all of a sudden a tiger showed up and this movement of energy would appear that we would call fear and we would interpret that as negative and unpleasant and, you know... If you're in true happiness and a tiger showed up, you might still experience that same movement of energy. It might be just as sharp, just as intense, just as big, and you certainly would still say, I better get out of here, you know, I better be careful or whatever, except you wouldn't feel bad. You wouldn't be calling it fear. It wouldn't be negative. And it's also possible that a tiger could show up, as I mentioned before, and there wouldn't be such a big sharp, aggressive, intense feeling. You'd still, you know, do the right thing, you know, be careful and take care of yourself and leave or whatever else. And it, But it's impossible to understand intellectually or to try to project into that space when you're not there of what it would be like. Experiencing true happiness ripples itself into every aspect of your life. And there's no way for me to describe it except to just say it's it's probably if I had to create some sort of a hierarchical thing, I would say it's the most extraordinary thing I've ever experienced. And it isn't a one-time blippy thing, you know, like you took a drug and had some, you know, expanded consciousness experience for, you know, 18 minutes or whatever, and then it wore off. It, it, it's a permanent thing, as you mentioned before. And it, I, I would have to say if I had to try to rank stuff, it's the most profound and significant and extraordinary experience that I've ever had, and it continues to be. It doesn't become ho-hum, you know. It continues to be just an extraordinary kind of an experience to be able to be aware of this infinite variety in the movement of energy inside and finding all of it pleasant, appealing, interesting, comfortable, fun, whatever word you want to apply, it doesn't matter at that point, and to not be experiencing all these negatives. And again, I just have to say, because I know a lot of people will be thinking this, it's not that something appears and you find yourself feeling, I'm really angry at so-and-so, and then you <coughs> anger. <coughs> Excuse me. This is just a movement of energy in inner space, and it's not positive or negative. It's not pleasant or unpleasant. And you try to talk yourself at the idea and concept level that it isn't really anger and it isn't really bad. You actually experience it without a label, and you actually experience it. Again, when you're experiencing true happiness, you just you don't even experience things as pleasant or unpleasant. It's just, but if you want to label all of it, you would say all of it's pleasant, you know? You don't really think that way. It just is what it is. Again, if you're just in a hotel and you're watching the movement of water, and you're not, you know, it's not like a tidal wave that could destroy the hotel, it's not that you want to surf, you know, there's nothing changing it. You're just looking at how the water's moving. It's never good or bad or right or wrong or pleasant or unpleasant. It's just how the water's moving. You don't think of it as a good wave or a bad wave or a negative wave or a positive wave. It's just a wave. That's just how you perceive it. It's very similar to what happens in true happiness. You just are aware of these waves, if you will, of emotional energy, and they're all different 
Uh, and there's no label, and there's no judgment, and um, they come and they go. They start and they stop. They change all the time. And it's just all um, an enhanced experience. Um, let me give an example now that I was going to give before, but I didn't. But do you want to say anything first? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I said before that the funny thing is, is that everybody pretty much that's listening has already experienced what I'm calling true happiness without knowing it. So let me give a couple of examples, and they're all variations on a theme. <clears throat> the first example that I like to give, and it doesn't work for everybody because some people don't like rides in amusement parks. You know, they don't like roller coasters and they don't like rides. But if you like roller coasters or fast-moving rides in amusement parks, what happens is you get buckled into the seat, and the ride starts, and the ride does what it does. You know, it goes up, it goes down, it goes upside down, it spins around, and while you're on the ride, you're experiencing all kinds of emotions. Boom, 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 back to back. This movement of energy in inner space is constantly changing at a very high speed as you're on this ride. But you don't stop to label the movement. You just experience the movement. You don't stop to judge the movement if you like roller coasters. If you don't, you could say, well, I get dizzy and I don't like that. And I get nauseous and I don't like that. So ignore this example if that's the case. But if you love roller coasters, you know that what I just said is true. You experience this very high-speed shift in this movement of emotional energy. You don't name it. You don't judge it. You don't label it. You're just aware of this fast-moving emotional ride. And then the ride's over, and you go, wow, that was incredible. I want to go do that again. That's true happiness, experiencing the movement of emotion without labels or descriptions or judgments, just, just being aware of what's moving and appreciating it. The second example, which again, variation on a theme, is if you read a really great novel, you go through all kinds of emotions as you're flipping the pages in the story. And there can be exceptions, but in general, you don't stop to say, oh, now I'm feeling happy. Oh, now I'm feeling anxious. Oh, now I'm feeling fearful. Oh, now I'm feeling angry. You don't do that. You just feel these feelings. You just notice these emotions. And as you flip the pages and different stuff happens in the story, you're aware of different emotions and you're really loving all of them. That's the main reason we read books. That's the main reason we ride rides in the amusement park is to experience all these feelings with the pure feelings, just what is there, without the labels and judgments and what I call stories. And if you flip the pages of a book and you didn't feel all these feelings... You wouldn't read the book because that's why we really do it. There's a lot about this in the Ultimate Key to Happiness book. That's true happiness. Flipping the pages of the book, experiencing all these emotions, but not stopping to label them, describe them, classify them, and judge them. You're just aware of this movement of energy constantly changing based on what's happening in the story, and you perceive all of it as pleasurable even when you're afraid in the story. Even when you're angry at the bad guys in the story, you like feeling the anger in a sense when you're, when you're, when you're turning the pages of the story. Again, it, it's not really anger as I've talked about, but when you're looking at it that way, when you really do think there's anger, you don't look at it as negative when you're reading the story. You just keep turning the pages and you keep enjoying all these emotions that you're feeling. It's the same thing with a movie or a TV show. You know, two-and-a-half-hour movie, and that two-and-a-half-hour movie, you're on a wild emotional roller coaster in general. 
you're feeling all these different emotions. Inner space is very busy with this waves moving of all these different emotions. But again, you don't stop to say, this is feel good, this is feel bad. I don't want to feel this. In general, there can be exceptions. Somebody could be listening to this and say, oh, I watched a movie and it was too dark, it was too scary, and I had to leave or I had to whatever. But there's exceptions to everything. But in general, when you watch a movie that you're really liking, you know, that's the key. You're riding a ride that you're really enjoying at an amusement park. You're reading a novel that you're really loving. You're just aware of this movement of energy in a lot of different variety, but you're not stopping to label it, judge it, describe it, feel good, feel bad, classify it, and you perceive that movement as very, very pleasurable. You know, you'd even say, I love that movie. I love that story. I wish it hadn't ended. I can't wait for the sequel, you know? That's true happiness. And all of this, all of us have experienced this all the time. We just didn't know that that's what it was, but that's what it was. That's what it is. And that's what becomes consistent, is that the kind of experience that you have reading a great novel that you love, watching a great movie or TV show that you love, riding a great ride that you, could be for video games, there's lots of other examples I could have shared, that's what true happiness is, it's just that it's not just when you're reading a novel or watching a movie or riding a ride. That's the way you feel through all of life. But again, this is not some weird esoteric enlightenment, high expanded consciousness experience that you have to, you know, have lifetimes before. You, you've already experienced this. You experience it all the time. You've experienced it hundreds or thousands of times in your life already without knowing it. The opportunity is to make that your standard experience in your life, no matter what's happening. And that's what the book opens the door to actually be able to do. Yeah, I've experienced a little uh, or a large taste of that just since reading uh, the book and while reading it. I noticed um, something I'd sent out uh, on the list and put in a course a while back was something about how the, the brain or the mind automatically you can observe it just throwing labels onto everything, even just the labels onto things, you know, table, lamp, computer, whatever. Um, but then also it does that in inner space, as you said, it just throws labels onto everything it's experiencing and it seems automatic. And, and that's where I think people start to think it's real because it happens almost out of awareness that the labels are become what they accept as reality. So we've explored that a little bit in some of the courses and, and stuff we put out there. But what I noticed after reading the way that you put it in the happiness book, suddenly I'd go into experiences and yes, I'd still notice the labels being thrown onto my emotions and onto all the things. But at the same time, I noticed something bizarre started to happen that even though I was having the same reactions, doing, taking the same actions I may have taken the day before becoming aware of that, I noticed the labels didn't seem to have as much hold. And I could tell that they were assumptions, that they were lies being told and that they weren't true or they weren't real in the same way that the experience of the, of the energy or of the, the frequency was real. Uh, that they didn't have any substance to them. And that that uh, was somewhat bizarre because then I noticed my reaction started to change, you know, mid-experience mid or right in the storyline. Um, and I noticed the other people around me seemed to, to have sort of weird reactions and reverberations from that effect too. So I think that's, it, it felt like one, some of the stages you described after becoming aware of the, 
Well, and the thing is, you know, again, uh, this is one of the things where, uh, from my perspective anyway, and there certainly could be a lot of people out there that I'm not aware of, but from my perspective, what I'm about to say is one of the many things that I seem to be the lone voice in the wilderness, that I'm the only one that seems to be seeing this, and yet it seems to be, or talking about it, and it seems to be so true, which is if you were to go to just about anybody out there and say, like the magic genie, you know, <coughs> um, here's here, Um, you've got two options here. Option A is you can snap your finger and right now that bad thing that you want to go away will go away. Or you can snap your finger and that good thing that you want that you don't have will be present. That's option A. Snap your finger, it's immediate. Or option B is you can snap your finger, but it's not going to happen immediately. It's going to happen over, I'm making up numbers, you know, there's no rule or formula here. It's going to happen over the next six months as an incredible story unfolds that takes you from point B where you, point A where you are now, which is you want this thing to be present or you want this thing to go away, to point B where it's present or the bad thing's gone. Which do you want? Point A, uh, option A where you snap your finger and it's gone right now, or would you rather wait six months and have a, you know, a story unfold, and through that story, in six months, it would be gone or it would show up. You know, 99% of the people would say, snap my finger, have it be gone now. And that's the way I used to be. You know, most people are so fed up with whatever they're struggling with that they're what I call profoundly impatient. And if they could snap their finger and use magic and make it appear or disappear, they would. What I've discovered is that has a real appeal to so many people, including the way I used to be, because we're so fed up with struggling with whatever it is. But to me, when these things happen, and they happen over a longer period of time where the story unfolds and where you can really appreciate the transformation as it appears to take place little bit at a time, little bit at a time, little bit at a time, and you can see the stages of the change, And you also can get what I call a guided tour of the lies, illusions, and stories that made the thing, you know, that you want to get rid of or uh, that was making that present or that was stopping you from having the other thing that you wanted appear. At the end of the road, at the end of that six months, it's such a more rich, extraordinary, delicious experience than if you bypassed all of that, snapped your finger, and had the result immediately. And so, uh, but just about everybody, including me, you know, a long time ago or when I was in the middle of some of the transitions into these things we're talking about here, that if somebody had come to me and said, okay, you want to snap your finger now and have it? You know, I would have. I would have chosen that. But the reality is on this kind of a journey, you know, from what I call lies, illusions, and stories into truth with a capital T, the longer it is, And the more extraordinary the story that unfolds in that length of time is, the more delicious it appears at the end of the road. And I don't know anybody, and I've been teaching this kind of stuff now for more than 10 years. I don't know anybody that has been in my sphere of influence that has gone down that path, has come out the other end, had this guided tour, experienced this delicious story where the transformation appeared to take place a little bit at a time, little bit at a time, so you could really see the transition. Instead of, boom, snap your finger, you don't get to see anything. 
Um, I, I, I don't know a single person that does not come out the other end of that and say, wow, I wouldn't change a thing. There's no way uh, I, I would have been happy taking the snap your finger thing and, and, and have been cheated out of that extraordinary journey that I just took, you know, for two weeks, three weeks, six months, seven years, whatever it may be for somebody. And so that's the other thing I wanted to add here. There's just, you know, fast is better is one of these gigantic myths out there in the world, and it isn't. And for a lot of people, even if you are going to read the book or go through the uh, course or have some experience in my sphere of influence and actually open into true happiness, uh, there may be some people where it appears to be lightning fast immediate, but the odds are it isn't. And the odds are there's going to be this period of time, there's going to be this extraordinary, delicious journey where you're going to be able to actually see the transition from one to the other that makes the appreciation of it when you come out the other end so much better. And so I tell people, expect it's going to take a while. It may not, but expect that it's going to. And expect that if it does, no matter what noise in your mind may appear, I wish I was at the destination already. You know, I'm tired of this. I want to be in true happiness now, now, you know. Um, when you come out the other end, you just, you wouldn't trade the journey, you know, and again, there's a, there's a very famous spiritual aphorism, you know, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination. It's one of those other things that most people would agree with. I get that, you know, but then experientially it's no, I just want the destination (laughs) (laughs) Want it now. But to me, the journey from point A to point B is the most delicious aspect of it and then you get to enjoy point b the rest of your life in this case when you open into true happiness you get to enjoy that the rest of your life but you only get the opportunity for that amazing let's call it expansive transformational whatever journey you only get to have that journey once and if it happens fast you really do get cheated out of an extraordinary experience and as i mentioned to me this whole human experience is about play, exploration, and creative expression and enjoying the experience of it, even though we don't feel that's what's happening. And so I just want to make sure I add that here as we're kind of getting to the end or we're at the end is the odds are if you follow this path coming from my sphere of influence, it's going to be something that's going to unfold over time, what may appear to be slow, painfully slow, slower than you'd like, But ultimately, you'll be thrilled that it unfolded that way for the reasons that I just told you. And you wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because it's such a delicious journey to see the little movements, the little changes, little by little, little by little, as you're moving into this experience of true happiness. All right. And yeah, we are coming to a close here. Um, Thanks a lot, Robert. That's it's been an excellent discussion and it helped uh, illuminate some of some of my own questions and hopefully uh, some of the some of the people who are listening uh, the questions that they have had and will have when they dive into the book and watch the video series and so on so again yeah I want to thank you for coming to do the recording and uh, thanks again for putting out the materials it's definitely been illuminating for me in my own journey, uh, both the Busting Loose titles and then more recently the, the, the Happiness book. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. My pleasure. Again, thank you very much for 
the opportunity to share all of this here. And, and again, I, however incredible you may think it is, you know, I've been there, done that. I, I've experienced all this myself. I just, to me, it's the best game in town. I mean, I said before, there, there really isn't, you know, any hierarchy or whatever, but just from my bias, this journey from lies, illusions, and stories into truth is just the most extraordinary game, the ex- most extraordinary ride there is, and it's my passion, and I, I love sharing it. So thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you're very welcome. And uh, just to repeat, if you guys want to check out the book, uh, there'll be a link listed with this recording, but also if you're only listening to it, it's uh, happinessbook.com. And from there, you can start diving into some of the videos and then uh, find links to to pick up the book and uh, go from there. So have a wonderful time, everybody. There's a lot of other information available, too, on the topics we talked about here beyond just happiness at, at my main website. That's Robert Scheinfeld. Dot com. You can find a link to that from happinessbook.com too, but the main website that's got a lot of other videos and information is uh, robertscheinfeld.com, S-C-H-E-I-N-F-E-L-D, robertscheinfeld.com. All right. Thanks again. Thank you.